as a church, even as we are, you know, uh, launching on this topic for the wider church, the sisters have done uh, some part of it. Uh, but we just want to acknowledge that these are real things, right? Anxiety, uh, depression, uh, post uh, post traumatic stress disorder, addictions. Uh, all of those are common realities. Now the uh, ailments differ in their physical location, but uh, but the experiences as painful and difficult uh, as it is, it could be for a stroke or um, any other uh, physical problems that we know of, right? So in this session, uh, next two sessions, what we have organized. Um, yeah, are these two aspects. So we're going to begin today with um, what's, I mean, about an overview of mental health and how are its manifestations. Um, sometimes we uh, we use these words a bit loosely also, right? Oh man, I'm very depressed, right? And sometimes you got to be very careful about such words because uh, some, suddenly it just becomes second language and lingo. Um, we just want to be careful about that. What's real depression? And and when it's not also, so we we're going to get that kind of an uh, and in next Sunday we're going to also talk about a biblical understanding of mental mental health and how do we approach that topic, right? So just a <clears throat> brief intro about about Dr. Ashok. Uh, Dr. Ashok Chako is a community health physician who worked for many years in rural areas of North India with the Emmanuel Hospital Association. Uh, since 2018, he has been functioning as the director of the uh, <clears throat> Biblical Counseling Trust of India, uh, based in Dwaraka, New Delhi. Uh, Ashok and his wife, Vinita, were trained in biblical counseling at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, Philadelphia, USA, in 2005 to 2006. He's now involved in counseling couples and <clears throat> others with mental struggles, besides training pastors and lay leaders in biblical counseling, especially in North India. He has three sons and four grandchildren. So uh, just as George said, uh, reminded us, we're going to have a 30 to 40 minute overview uh, by Dr. Ashok. And uh, as you're listening, if you come across queries or questions, put it in the chat window. If you do want to be anonymous, you can just send it to me and I will ask uh, questions on behalf of you, uh, or else you can ask your questions live. We can open to uh, any other. So before I hand it over, over to Dr. Ashok, uh, let me just uh, um, commit this uh, time in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace that you gave us. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to remember you. Remember what you have done on that cross. <clears throat> and as we have heard today, we are declared righteous. And uh, we thank you, O oh God, that positionally, as we stand before you, we, we stand before you clean, um, not condemned at all. And so, Lord, even as we um, come to this time, as we explore this topic of mental health, would you uh, grant all the grace required to uh, Dr. Ashok <clears throat> as he uh, speaks to us on this matter, help us to be attentive and uh, open to uh, uh, hearing what you're going to say through uh, this brother. Thank you for listening to us. We ask these in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Dr. Ashok, over to you. Thank you, Aliju. And it's a great privilege for me to be addressing all of you. Um, I have a short overview. So I'll put up my PowerPoint.
Okay, so we are just uh, going through trying to understand something about mental illness as it is manifest now and is very important for us in the 21st century especially. Uh, a brief look at the statistics here. Um, you know, 450 million people with mental disorders and the largest number again is depression and schizophrenia, epilepsy, alcohol. One in million commit suicide every year and the five to 10 million attempt to commit suicide every year. So the numbers are going up as we all know. And uh, this is a WHO estimate which was done earlier saying that the unipolar depression is a leading cause of disability responsible for one in 10 years of life worldwide. Uh, and we know that it is increasing, as Liju said, especially in the last couple of years, a lot of people, because of the lockdown and so on, increase in stress, uh, anxiety, um, people who, uh, even the number of suicides, Along that, of course, addiction to, uh, you know, phones and um, access to porn has increased a lot, which is also affecting a lot of people, you know, so it is definitely going up. Uh, besides that, we know that, you know, in our current lifestyle, as compared to the lifestyle of, let's say, our grandparents, uh, maybe... 70, 80 years back is a big change. Uh, we are moving more and more into a stressful urban lifestyle where uh, time is of essence. Time is equivalent to money. Productivity is given great value and that increases pressure on individuals to perform. And that affects, you know, your work becomes more important than family life and relationships. Money becomes more important than relationships. And that naturally affects uh, all of us in the way that we think and feel and respond in situations. So uh, let's look at a, some basic definition. Uh, this is what they say we normally would look at this uh, state of well-being understanding mental health as a state of well-being, where a person realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, and can work productively and fully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. Yeah. So we accept one another as you know, normal. Uh, and this is what we would sort of define generally as normal. And a healthy person with a healthy mind can have the ability to think clearly, is able to solve problems as it comes, works productively, has good relationships, feels spiritually at ease and makes a contribution to the community. Now you start looking at the common symptoms of mental illness. Uh, this is very frequent and very common. Most of us have experienced certain amount of anxiety, but when there is excessive fear and worry, uh, that is uh, one of the general symptoms that we come across. Uh, this depression, what Lijus mentioned about depression, a lot of people, we all say we are depressed. It's an unusually sad mood. And uh, we look at, you know, what is clinically called depression versus what are 
usual depression that we feel sad. We see, feel sad, we use the word depression. And then of course, uh, the most severe types of mental illness, uh, which involves suspicion, violence, agitation, and very other unusual, bizarre behaviors, which is termed as psychosis. Now, one of the problems that mental health has always had uh, over the years is this whole issue of stigma and discrimination. And, uh, you know, you say the person is mad and we tend to shy away from a so-called mad person because it's almost as though we think that madness is infectious. Of course, when in a family situation, uh, when somebody is diagnosed as mad, or we say he's mad, is bizarre behavior, we feel ashamed. Uh, it affects the family, they, what other people think. Uh, it will affect um, how uh, people in the family would get married, getting partners. I remember one of the things in the old days that families would ask, uh, you know, when the time when uh, marriages used to be arranged by parents, one of the questions they asked about the other family, is there any history of uh, madness in the family? Uh, in one sense, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a good thing to know that before you get married. Um, because, uh, you know, marriage is not a solution to madness, as you all know. Uh, but, you know, the whole stigma then uh, affects uh, the way that people look at it. Uh, there's a delay in seeking appropriate help. Uh, and it affects the person and their family. It will also, there's ongoing social economic exclusion for the affected person and their family. Uh, in our organization, I remember, I worked with EHA. We had, a, uh, we have about 20 hospitals working in rural areas. And there was one of our nursing superintendents of one of our largest hospitals who was affected by a condition which is called bipolar. But she was not aware of it. That is one of the problems sometimes. And uh, so she was not willing to go for uh, consultation. You know, the stigma even of going to uh, a counselor or a psychiatrist, you know, is something that delays a person from seeking appropriate help. And naturally, if you are in a position of authority, and if you have some of these symptoms, it's going to affect uh, not only you, but the whole organization is affected. So let's look at some factors affecting mental health. Uh, stress is very common, and all of us know that how especially current city life is quite stressful and it can affect us mentally. We are no longer our normal. We get out of the normal very quickly. Uh, there are certain biological factors. I mean, things like hormonal disorders, when you have a thyroid function, which can affect you, um, uh, even uh, uh, certain genetic uh, genes which predispose you to certain conditions. Um, and uh, those are the biological factors. Uh, psychological factors related to identity. So poor self-image, uh, when you think negatively about yourself, which, which you build up over time from 
society around you, the negative thinking which affects how you think about yourself, that affects the way you respond to people and situations. And adverse life experiences, uh, for example, abuse, neglect, death of parents, and of course, traumatic experiences in your life, all these things affect us. And as we know, hopefully all of us, that it is not uh, due to possession by evil spirits. The majority of cases, no, we know there are there is demon um, oppression of people and possession in certain areas is there. But we won't say that all mad people are possessed by evil spirits. No, that factor is totally out. There are certain small numbers, but not all. Uh, it's not because of somebody cursing you. These are some of the, the, the beliefs that we had in the past which affected a lot of people because it is something so mysterious and difficult to explain. And we have to, all human beings are interpreters. We interpret based on our understanding and our worldviews. And uh, a sort of a more animistic worldview where we start thinking of all these uh, things as factors. Influence, you know, the where the sun is and the moon is and where the stars are, all those things influence you. Character weakness, uh, it's not just laziness and it's not karma or black magic. Uh, and uh, this chart gives you an overview of uh, some of the things. As I mentioned, biological factors can be chemical imbalances in the brain caused by hormonal disturbances, can be genetics, could be due to brain injury, could be some certain chronic illnesses. And also medications can affect uh, how you respond and how you think. There are psychological factors we looked at like poor self-esteem. Social factors would be family conflict, poverty, unemployment, poor housing, having a baby, infertility. Uh, all these things uh, also have, you know, affect the way the person looks at himself and how he perceives society looking at himself or herself and affects, therefore, the way they respond in situations. Uh, it affects the way they uh, interact with people. And that's what causes this mental uh, illness. Uh, events in childhood, violence, abuse, emotional neglect, death of a parent. And these are sort of symptoms. It's put in a tab tabular format. Could be physical symptoms. So you remember, when it, though it is, we call it mental disorders and we think only of the brain. The brain and the whole body is all connected. It's very much interconnected. Uh, and spiritually also, we can say our spirit, soul, body, it's all interconnected. You cannot sort of separate them into different categories. And so you have physical symptoms you can have the feelings which are very common, the sadness, anxiety, guilt, helplessness, mood swings, low self-esteem, fear, or excessive thinking, worry, criticism, poor concentration, negative thoughts going round and round, rapid thinking, uh, poor judgment, and a behavior which is uh, observable. Person is very crying all the time, withdrawing from so social interaction, talking to himself. Some people, when they get violent or they have psychotic episodes, they become very aggressive. Uh, those who are chronic can end up with poor personal hygiene because they are not aware socially. 
is an avoidance behavior. Some who speak a lot very fast, like a verbal diarrhea, and you're not able to differentiate. It's in a manic phase that you see this type of behavior, uh, which doesn't make sense to others. Then, of course, attempting suicide, uh, extreme irritability, these are all symptoms. And the imagination side where you have delusions or false beliefs, hearing voices, seeing things which nobody else sees, smelling things which are not there, tasting things that are not there, um, feeling things that are not there. Okay, So these are all uh, symptoms of mental disorders. So we, broadly, you can classify them into common mental disorders, which affect more people and severe mental disorders, which are the numbers are much less. And the common ones which most of us are familiar with would be depression, anxiety, alcoholism, or addictions. Um, and um, uh, under anxiety, you have things like generalist anxiety, generalized anxiety, panic disorders, which is one extreme, phobias and fears, uh, obsessive compulsive disorders. And in the severe category, we have a psychotic episode or a manic episode or schizophrenia and bipolar. So this is a short uh, uh, sort of case study of a student who many months ago started locking himself in his room. And he used to be a good student but failed his last exam. And his mother says that he often spends hours staring into space. Sometimes he mutters to himself as if he were talking to an imaginary person. He was forced to come to the clinic by his parents. At first, he refused to talk to the nurse. After a while, he admitted that he believed that his parents and neighbors were plotting to kill him and that the devil was interfering with his mind. He said he could hear his neighbors talk about him and say nasty things outside his door. He felt as if he had been possessed but did not say why he should come to the clinic since he was not ill. So these are symptoms of a condition called schizophrenia, where a person has a delusional, uh, you know, has false beliefs and starts hearing voices, hallucinations. So like, uh, you know, these are the three basic severe mental disorders. And like I said, psychosis or schizophrenia, fixed false belief, someone is trying to kill me, someone is trying to harm me, uh, my spouse is having a relationship with someone else. Uh, that is uh, could be quite common. You know, there is a condition also called as paranoia or paranoid schizophrenia where the focus is always on somebody trying to attack you. The fear that someone is... Uh, going to attack you and suspicion and that can really play havoc when it comes to uh, husband-wife relationship where either of the spouses is all the time suspicious of the other spouse and does not trust. Um, it's uh, terrible when it comes to that uh, couple. Uh, hallucinations and of course negative symptoms like they stop speaking or there's excessive speaking or you know, excessive emotion. Now, catatonia is uh, where it affects them physically. Uh, they sit like a zombie in a particular position and don't seem to move uh, or very slow in their movements. Uh, 
And these are some of the things sometimes they present as being very suspicious, talking and smiling to themselves, poor self-care, very violent, no eye contact. So this is uh, schizophrenia. And schizophrenia uh, is still uh, a disease where there is no known clear reason for it. It usually affects uh, people, it's uh, late adolescent or uh, young adults where it presents itself. And uh, though there are treatments right now, there is supposed to be a genetic component. It's been, they've done some research. There are some genes associated with it, certain uh, chemicals which help in reducing the symptoms, but there is no full understanding of what the root causes. That is one thing I want you to understand. And unlike uh, things like, uh, you know, viral diseases or bacterial diseases, where we can talk about one particular agent. In mental illness, there is no one specific agent that causes that particular condition. And so it's a lot by chance that people have come across certain medications which help in controlling some of the symptoms. And there are certain assumptions made about how it works, but there is no clear line of direct correlation between a particular disease and a particular uh, condition or a diagnosis that is there. And so it's, uh, it's still mysterious. Though psychiatry as a, as, a, as a science has improved a lot over the years, over the last 100 years or so, uh, still there is a lack of clarity about what it causes. There, there's always been a big argument over nurture versus nature. Is it something to do with your upbringing? Is it something to do with the biological thing? Is it something to do with genes? Is it something to do with chemicals? We do know that in the brain, there is a disorder in the brain, uh, but specific uh, you know, root cause causes are not yet been identified. And so we're still in a stage where this whole uh, mental disorders are still mysterious to some extent. Uh, a bipolar disorder is where you have extreme uh, mood swings. Um, earlier, it used to be called manic depressive psychosis, MDP. So people who on one side, they will be depressed for a period of time and suddenly they go into the mania phase. When they go into the mania phase, very, you know, very, um, they're like extroverts. They'll be talking a lot. They'll be walking a lot. Excess energy is there. Uh, and they there's a lack of social inhibition. And sometimes they go into, you know, a desire for sex. So go out and try to have multiple sex, sexual encounters. Or some of them, they, they want to spend money. They keep spending a lot of money excessively. And they're buying a lot of things which they don't need. Um, um, the I mentioned the, uh, the lady who was in our uh, hospital association, who was the nursing superintendent. She ordered that all the because she was in charge, so she ordered that all the nurses will wear a pink dress, and so they bought uh, lots of pink uh, cloth to give them. You know, uh, so very odd things that they may suddenly think of, 
and uh, that affects obviously the family and everybody else has been this is some of the they can be presenting is very happy and exciting and they can have good leadership skills as well and you may all want to follow them and suddenly they will go from the excess happiness to depression and then you wonder what is happening to them uh, these are all the things that uh, they may present with and uh, you know uh, bipolar disorder also we have medications now but it's a lifelong thing both schizophrenia and bipolar generally medication has to be taken lifelong when they stop the medication uh, they can go back slip back into any of these modes and so it's important for family members if you have uh, this diagnosis among you to ensure that the person continues to take treatment sometimes it's a problem because some of them say that they are they are okay and they don't choose not to take treatment and when they do that that uh, affects um, you know the whole thing so it's important that these two conditions you continue with uh, medication throughout now we look at some of the more common mental disorders like depression anxiety and alcoholism uh, so what is depression it's a uh, the clinical depression is a serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel the way you think and how do you differentiate between when we say you know we, all of difficulty difficulty in sleeping uh or staying asleep some some excessively also uh feelings of intense anxiety uh, changes in appetite and weight uh, excessive misplaced guilt feelings of worthlessness recurrent thoughts of death or suicide difficulty in thinking and thoughts of anger and here depression and the experience varies from person to person uh, four or more of the order to be considered as clinical depression there must be some impairment uh, at least hasn't gone to work for two weeks or come out of their room for two weeks uh, some people stop doing their daily activities are they able to continue the daily activity in spite of feeling sadness so there are uh, differences in the way it is expressed and varies from person to person and of course these are some of the common presentations uh, which we all understand and um, we have antidepressants now or mood elevators as well as um, non sedative ones called i don't know if you are uh, aware of this term ssri 
selective serotonin uh, reactive inhibitors reuptake inhibitors these are the new class of drugs which are very commonly prescribed nowadays uh, for depression a lot of people take it uh, basically because um, uh, they link uh, this condition with a particular neurotransmitter in the brain called as serotonin now serotonin is normally present in the brain it's uh, what is called as a neurotransmitter that means it's a chemical you, you know our neurons the way they communicate with one another is through a synapse where a chemical is released and one nerve will release it and it's uptaken taken up by the other opposite nerve and there is a so that's a way it's uh, all a normal nerve conduction takes place in this method and so what happens in uh, what they've discovered is uh, by preventing the reuptake of serotonin that means more of serotonin should be available in the brain uh, uh, the mood changes uh, and so having an adequate amount of this neurotransmitter is one of the clues that we know biochemical clue but is it the cause or is it the effect nobody knows you see why is there less of serotonin in the brain of a person who has depression is it because he is depressed that the serotonin is less or is it because serotonin is less that the person is depressed there's no direct correlation but we know there are drugs which help to increase the serotonin level in the brain enables a person to start feeling better and so that's the only clue that we have and, and that is uh how currently now a lot of especially in the us and all uh, these drugs are prescribed left and right and remember every drug has also its side effects and so it should not be just taken without uh, proper overseed by the uh, a doctor or a psychiatrist now another condition which is quite common is obsessive compulsive disorder or ocd and uh, you see this happening maybe there are some people you observed who you know they they are very they keep repeating something they are they are all the time doubting you know some people like for example you uh you are leaving home and you wonder whether you have locked everything has the gas been shut off have i switched off all the lights then you come back and you check everything after checking and you going out again you doubt you go back and the when it becomes an extreme then you know they become very uh, obsessive and may various different things that keep happening in their heads they keep on the same thought they not they feel they are unclean they keep washing their hands again and again and again uh, you know after going out uh, or um, you know they wear gloves uh, when they have to touch anything because they are fear of contamination um, they keep cleaning and repeat it they they not ha- happy once so some people keep having baths throughout the day uh, and it's not that i mean it, it's sort of a irrational thing if you talk to them and tell them you are already clean but that doesn't make sense to that person he has to do it again he is it's a it's a compulsive thing it, he feels that he has to do it and just by talking rationally to the person the person doesn't change so it, it requires a process of uh, you know psychotherapy counseling and medication also may help in this thing
and the person will present like this anxious restless uh, the thing for perfection is all the time there uh, want to keep things in order particular order um, giving history in lot of great details these are some of the things that are commonly seen in this condition now we look at something called phobia and anxiety which we are all familiar with right fear is something that we all have right from the time by the way i think uh, fear is something that we uh, learn you'll find lot of uh, you know babies and all are very fearless in the way they go around and do things but we learn about fear you know like they say the burnt child dreads a fire so a fear of everything is called you know the way that now uh, the psychiatrists and all especially in the us they have something called the dsm diagnostic and statistical manual and every few years they keep uh, revising it and what they basically do is to give definitions of these different conditions so most mental health issues are based on particular clusters of behavior and which are which are observable and then which is recorded uh, as this is a particular type of behavior that is repeated again and again so um it's basically a description of a person's behavior so fear of everything is called gad is a generalized anxiety disorder so there are labels now for everything uh, which our psychiatrists have created and so is there in the dsm and they keep revising it every few years you know the dsm gets keeps getting bigger and bigger as you see you go back and see dsm 2 3 4 you'll find there's a difference in fact i think probably uh, before dsm 4 uh, homosexuality was also put as one of the uh, abnormal behaviors but now since homosexuality has been uh accepted as just a sexual preference that has been removed from that uh, manual so it depends on a consensus of what society thinks about particular conditions that those descriptions are put there and these names that are there are you know technical names but it's not a name like you have for example if you look at you know physical conditions whether we call it covid 19 or tuberculosis or leprosy these are conditions which are known to have a particular cause uh, but when it comes to uh, psychiatric illnesses like i said there's there's no clear direct cause but it's more a description of the symptoms uh, and uh, and a name given to that so agoraphobia a fear of crowds so you just use that term, that's all and so any fear phobia basically means fear so any fear you add the particular fear uh, the name to it and you you call it a condition uh, but the root issue is actually fear and uh, this is uh, very common we know uh, we are all experience some aspects of fear at some time and whether it's your palpitation or restlessness or feeling giddy or light headed uh, feeling of dying tremors sweating feeling on the edge these are all things that we or oh, you know as some people call it you have butterflies in your stomach uh, because there is a link directly between now they have been discovering new things that there is a rich, uh, a rich uh, neural network which is linked to your intestines 
and how these two connect. So a lot of the symptoms are the feelings that we have are linked actually with our uh, intestines and our stomach and the um, the bowels uh, and the neural network that causes the the fluctuation in your bowel movement uh, and the feelings that you have, whether you feel inside, most of us feel it somewhere in, in the in your abdomen. And it's uh, because of that. So what has been discovered is, be aware of this stress called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Um, it is, I, I just wanted to introduce this so that you become aware of this. Uh, it's basically in the brain, hypothalamus uh, pituitary is, is the master gland in your brain, which controls all the hormones. And the adrenals is a gland which is uh, on top of the kidney. And these, uh, so the connection between our brains and the hormone release, hormones are basically, you know, sort of chemicals which are released. And these chemicals go out throughout the body and affect the whole body. And so you, you may be aware of the classic fight and flight response, uh, which you know starts from the hypothalamus, where um, you perceive something. You know, using your five senses, we perceive something, and we perceive that it is fearful, uh, something that causes danger to you. You have either a fight or a flight response, and for both these conditions, you need to release certain amount of chemicals in the brain, uh, in the in the body to prepare our heart, you know, so the heart starts beating rapidly, basically to increase your circulation so that you can either fight or fly. Flight means run away from the danger. Uh, and uh, along with the rapid, there's a release of uh, chemicals like cortisone, increase of blood sugar, so that you can run, so that the whole body is ready to face the danger. Now, this is a normal uh, sort of stress response to danger. Uh, which is in our bodies to help us to run away from danger. But what happens is if it becomes chronic, if you're all the time stressed, uh, that affects the whole body and can cause all sorts of other uh, you know, diseases. And uh, in our urban lifestyle that we have now, uh, we, we have, we, instead of having you know, the acute stress where you have a um, you know, the danger that you see before you, a car coming in front of you or, or a lion attacking you or a snake or whatever, which is there in the past. We have uh, sort of chronic stressful conditions and that can give rise to all these things, you know, uh, increased risk of um, depression, anxiety disorders. It will affect the heart and lungs because those uh, hormones are released in the bloodstream. Uh, and so it also affects your immune system. A chronic uh, stress um, type of uh, condition will also affect your immune system. Your T cells and all are affected. And so you become more vulnerable to infection if you are all the time stressed, uh, which is why in scripture it talks about a merry heart is like a medicine. Uh, uh, when you have joy in your heart all the time, uh, it actually builds up the immune system. And that is something for us to remember. So these type of conditions, we need counseling as part of the treatment. Uh, uh, and, you know, regular 
listening to our person and being counsel helping them to think differently and of course antidepressants which are available medication i talked about this condition called ptsd or post traumatic stress disorder which is a very uh, it's a it's a more become more aware of this in the last uh, century in the 20th century though it may have been a condition throughout is mostly related to stress a mental health condition triggered by a terrifying event and it's initially been observed mostly in uh, post war those gone to war and come back you know the veterans in the us they kept having these flashbacks and nightmares anxiety and fear they're not able to control their thoughts so it it affects anybody who's gone through a traumatic event so um sometime back when there was a landslide a big landslide in lay i think and some of our people had gone there to help the people so uh there was fear that traumatic event where you see a whole house many people's houses were taken away by the mudslide and all that and it brings about fear any condition you know any terror attack uh can give rise to fear and then people start thinking that fearful scene that they have seen will keep going on and on in their heads and so they need help and these are type of symptoms you have intrusive memories which is recurrent unwanted distressing memories of the traumatic event uh flashbacks uh upsetting dreams or nightmares emotional dress distress or physical reactions to something that reminds you of the traumatic event you see something else and if you watch some movies nowadays they try to show this how uh, you know soldiers who come back they see something and it, it triggers off a memory and they are affected emotionally uh symptoms of avoidance trying to avoid thinking or talking about that event they'll just stop it'll become like a blank you can't talk about it at all now many holocaust survivors had this and they won't talk about it because it's too painful for them negative thinking changes in thinking and mood uh thoughts of negative things thoughts about yourself or other people uh it affects uh, a certain hopelessness uh not being able to recollect certain things memory problems and that naturally will affect close relationships so a soldier comes back is not able to connect back with his wife and family feeling detached lack of interest in activities you once enjoyed feeling emotionally numb uh, then changes in physical and emotional reactions being easily startled or frightened always being on guard you know every small thing a very sensitive jump self destructive behavior drinking too much they have trouble sleeping trouble concentrating angry outbursts overwhelming guilt or shame and these symptoms can vary from person to person and every uh, as time passes it will change and for children you know they uh, symptoms may include reenacting the traumatic events or uh, aspects of the event and frightening dreams and uh, one thing that helps is to help them to come out and describe it i think in the lay incident i remember some of our people going there helping helping children to draw asking them to draw what they felt and what they saw 
and drawing helps them to you know come out and to experience it and to slowly recover from it okay what not to do for a person with a mental disorder ignoring or avoiding the person this is our normal response when you find some bizarre behavior we tend to go away because we don't want to handle it but you know what the, as a good um, what the lord would want us to do is to move towards a person not away just recognizing that this is another uh, the person is suffering actually through the particular behavior uh, also believing that it will just go away sometimes you know you have be, in a family situation and certain odd behaviors are there oh it's okay it's, when he grows up it will be all right or we'll get him married those are all things which are very dangerous uh, locking the person away will not change the person uh, or being angry with him because the person is struggling actually remember that any person with a mental health condition is struggling and uh, we need he needs help um going to of course all this witch doctors and black magic uh, is we should never do that uh you know this used to be done in the past it, i know actually families where there's been a disaster <laughs> they just uh, arranged marriage the person gets married doesn't know and then you recognize this person is schizophrenic is all the time suspicious very dangerous for marriage uh then just giving sleeping tablets or oh, this person can't sleep you just give him a tablet no no and believing that you can cure the person or that you have all the solutions to their problems no so don't do those things but uh, you know at the right time we need to consult uh, a professional when things are beyond you but what are some of the things that we can do as people in the church you move towards and pray with the person you know sit with the person try to listen try to understand him comfort the person uh, understand that he is a person made in the image of god even though he is bizarre or he is acting strangely there is so uh, uh, he's having something's going on your concern that helps a family to also you know feel okay with it instead of feeling ashamed all the time and the more they are able to open up and feel it's okay the more we we need to talk a lot more about this as something normal as something it's a condition which can be treated uh being a student of the person means trying to observe carefully listen try to understand and some people are better at this than others um who are more sensitive to others to be able to notice and so if the person is in your family who is uh, having an odd behavior try to understand where that person is what makes him fearful what makes him suspicious why does he do what he does and treat him sort of normally and think of different ways to help and what would be actually helpful for that particular person what you don't know 
acknowledge and what you can do what we can do positively to that person is helpful and for families avoid getting angry with the person uh, emotional hovering you know shouting and screaming and all that or being apathetic but being concerned showing compassion trying to understand the person and being there for him or her is important and at all times you know keeping christ and him crucified at the center now this is very important for us as christians we tend to forget that you know jesus is there in us in our in our families and he is there to help you no matter what happens and that changes the way that you look at people and help them and of course asking for professional help uh, at the right time make sure it is not a shame to ask for professional help especially in the 21st century now uh, when uh, this is available for us so that is a brief uh, overview um, i mean there are so many other conditions so if you have any questions we can look into that now Dr. <clears throat> Dr. Ashok, maybe I'll kick us off with a question. Yeah. Um, this is really about depression, right? So, uh, so there is a tendency for people to use the term depression rather loosely. Um, you know, when something happens, um, you know, that, um, I mean, you observe certain things and say, oh, they must be depressed, you know. Yeah. Um, can you just help us sort of you know a certain amount of sadness certain amount of you know anxiety it's just part of life right yeah. how do we sort of draw the line between just sort of normal day to day thing versus someone who's truly depressed yeah as i shared the symptoms over there you see what has happened is many uh, terms related to psychiatry and psychology has now become part of our normal mm. um, lingo which is why you know depression has become otherwise you would say a person is sad a person yep. is withdrawn now a person is not his usual self right now a person is able to handle it you know overcome it over a period of you know by talking or listening i mean you will be concerned if a person is behaving differently to sit and you talk and try to understand and find out what is the root issue why is he feeling sad is it because of his failure in exams is it because he's not done as much as he has uh, he should have wanted to do is it some loss of expectations there are many reasons why people feel sad and just sitting and talking to them would help them a lot uh, but a person who is like i said clinically depressed is goes to the extreme where he has he, he may not get up at all from bed he refuses to you know interact with people you ask him uh, what is the issue he will not talk to you at all he withdraws himself from his regular activities and if it continues for a longer period of time a week or two they say clinical depression is two weeks but you know if it's more than a week if a person is just lying in bed and not getting up obviously there is uh, some a deeper issue which needs to be dealt with and that is where as a family member you have to be concerned we don't try to put the person down or shame him or be sarcastic you know or you know make talks about you know look at all your other friends what they are doing what are you doing that type of thing uh, but try and listen i remember uh, you know 
you know, the events uh, or changes which happen in your lifestyle. When we moved, at one point, uh, we moved as a family from Bangalore to Chennai. And uh, for our youngest son, I think he was in class eight or nine around that time. It was a big uh, sort of dramatic thing for him because he lost all his friends suddenly, you know, children, especially at a particular age. And now you have to make new friends. And he was finding it difficult. And so, and that time, you know, my wife and I, we were both working in a place and we had to leave home because we thought children are old enough and they can handle it. Uh, but, you know, that means he has coming back to home and he was at times, you know, because you're coming coming home a little late, he had the key he had to open and be himself. And so he became a little sad and withdrawn. And uh, it took us a while for us to notice that he's not his usual self. And then we had to sit and talk and find out what the cause is and I had to deal with that issue. So, you know, the, there could be certain reasons why certain you know, family members get into it. Um, we have to be alert, uh, notice what is happening and at the right time intervene um, with the right attitude. Okay, thank you. Can I pick on uh, a question that I got, Ajit? Uh, just a you know add-on question uh, somebody had asked. Um, can depression be episodic? As in, is it very short periodic episodes? Can depression have triggers? Uh, and when do you know it's time to uh, seek that counsel? Uh, when it's probably in that very short stint? Yes, of course. It depends on the cause and how is basically a response to particular situations. Uh, I mean, most of us, when we face a challenging situation, and if we don't find a, a reason to get out and we think it's sort of hopeless, our mind starts going into the negative way. Oh, this could happen, that could happen. You start imagining lots of things and you feel hopeless. You can feel depressed. It can affect your mood. And that depends on the, you know, some people are more emotional. Others are more less. They don't show it outside. And so uh, how they respond and how they manage it. So it could be for a period of time. And when the situation changes, they may feel okay. And another situation comes up again. There are some people who tend to think negatively about everything. Whereas, you know, the optimist and the pessimist type of thing. So the pessimist keeps thinking negatively. He can move into depression. So you get into lockdown, for example, a lot of people went into depression. Uh, but it may not be a long-term thing. They may be able to get out of it as well as situation changes. But when it comes to sort of the more um, severe types of depression, it's it's not episodic. It's much more longer. You know, there, there's a short, WHO has got a short movie on it. They call it like the black dog which comes at you and you 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 are unable to overcome it. Mm. And for those people, it's much more severe. It requires uh, medication, uh, counseling, all that type of thing. Okay. I do have a follow-up question on that, but Ajit, you had a question, I believe. You want to go ahead? Yeah, doctor, I just want to uh, uh, know your views on the effect of social media. I mean, it's, it's a yeah, hashtag and fear of missing out. How does that impact uh, mental health? Yeah, it's 
it's one of the reasons why mental health illness is going up is social media there's no doubt about it because you know we are all um, what do you call it social creatures and we are affected by what other people think about us primarily that is the issue right we are all the time i mean scripture tells us you know about fear of man is a snare but unfortunately we are just caught up in that and so what other people think what they are doing uh, and especially younger people they are very much you know caught up in that the fomo thing is uh, it sort of directs your behavior and we also know about all those um, you know i forgot the names now uh, those games that people did which you know forces you to keep doing certain things which cause you to even commit suicide some of them you know very dangerous things so yes social media is very dangerous and we have to for the younger generation we have to actually prepare them uh, in fact it would be good to have a class on how to manage social media mm. maybe that's a topic for in itself uh, we should do yeah uh, th- thanks ajit for uh, asking that uh, another question that has come in is uh, does genetics play a role in mental illness uh, if for example if a parent has mental health issues uh, is it that children also could uh, uh, you know face that in the future yeah well this is a they have not found direct links except in case of schizophrenia they have found certain genes which are there in the family okay uh, in fact recently there's somebody has written a book about a family in the us where there were 12 children of which six of them got schizophrenia uh, but the parents were okay okay so that is the only condition where they have detected there is a gene but gene by itself is not the only thing uh, there will be other factors as well whereas other conditions you know there is a way by which the na- nature nurture part of it comes in you grow up in a particular family in a particular culture and let's say um, your parents are all the time fearful about ha- not having enough suppose they have gone through a famine or something starvation no Uh, lack of money poverty and they are all the time fearful about it fearful about money and that is something that the children will also pick up they'll start pick up in picking up the same behaviors and uh, you know sort of you you catch it on um, those values you pick up so fathers and alcoholic children sometimes tend to become fathers abusive and controlling the children pick up those same things so those things are known to happen but it's not related to genes yeah i think that makes sense uh jocha you had a question yeah if you you have any others go ahead let you always i'll jump in yeah yeah we have uh, uh, one question that has come is uh, we have looked at mental health disorders uh, as illnesses uh, the question is is there any relationship at all between sinful patterns thoughts or behaviors and these disorders at least sometimes yes definitely when we come to so i have kept out from the biblical side of things i focused only on the secular way of looking at it but uh, we will look into more into this in the next next talk next week uh, understanding sin and the consequences and the link, link between how that affects um, our mental health yes Okay so we'll look forward to it stay tuned for next week and yeah. we'll 
Uh, yeah, no, I think I think Liju, I was going to ask uh, before we wrap up, maybe uh, Dr. Ashok can give us a little bit of a teaser for next week as to what he'll be covering. But I do have I do have a question, uh, Dr. Ashok. See, uh, the, you mentioned about trauma, right? Both PTSD and all that. Um, and certainly, what what I've observed is that um, you know over the last uh, decade or so, uh, the whole area of trauma has come come up to the fore, right? In in terms of common, you know, the way people look at mental illness, and, and I've I've seen. I just like to get your view on this. I, I've seen a tendency to sort of go a little overboard with that. In that, everything you know, they sort of dig back. They sort of start with an assumption that there must have been some trauma in your life, and then you dig back and dig and dig and dig and find something, you know, maybe your parents or somebody did something to you, and and that becomes sort of blown out of proportion, and and everything you do today gets attributed to that, right? And I see a lot of people struggling with that. It, it almost becomes this next week. Uh, you know, it becomes a crutch to say, oh, well, I'm this way because of this trauma, right? Um, I'm just curious to know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, you know that anything that affects you, say, especially when you're growing, mm -hmm. uh, as a child, we tend to develop our identity and our culture from our parents and our family situation. So any conditions in which you are going through the your uh, parents, your abuse that is happening in your house and all that, it definitely affects you. Mm -hmm. Now, how you respond to that, it's up to you. Yeah. Now, people are wounded because of that. There is pain in their hearts. And uh, if that pain is not resolved, definitely it will affect you as you grow up as well. So, there is a way in which it affects you, but there is a way in which you can also know that it is not uh, something that is actually controlling you. You you mm -hmm. have the ability to overcome it. You can be healed of that. And you don't necessarily have to be controlled by the event that has happened to you in the past. Okay, good. And maybe one, one more question. Um, you know, and this might be getting into what you're going to cover next week. If you're going to cover it, that's fine. But, but generally, you know, we, we hear, um, you know, sort of three three types of counseling, right? So there's biblical counseling, there's something called Christian counseling, and then there's secular counseling, right? Can you just help us sort of understand just for the for the audience here to understand yes. what are the fundamental differences? Yes, yes, that's good. Yeah, secular counseling is basically uh, come from the current field of psychiatry. Now, modern psychiatry I would say mostly developed after Freud. Mm. Uh, he's called as the father of modern psychiatry. He's the beginning of the last century. And he, though he was a Jew, he was uh, an atheist. And a lot of the theories that he mm, propounded, in fact, the words that he used also, like ego is a word that was coined by Freud himself. Is all come into the uh, our English language and the way that we speak, you know. Uh, the terms that we use like superiority, inferior compl inferiority complex, these are all terms coined by psychiatrists. So the way that Freud looked at things, he was an atheist and he didn't believe in God, so he chose not to. And so secular, uh, secular psychiatry doesn't look at the 
human being as a spiritual being and so secular psychology doesn't think about guilt also i mean you know guilt is there but guilt in terms of against god doesn't come into them so there's no solution and so it will uh, it focuses on behavior and trying to ameliorate behavior uh, using uh, what we call psychotherapy or talk therapy where um, the counselor or the therapist will listen to you and uh, help you to think differently from the way your thoughts are going now because all most of this happens in our head whether it is fear anxiety guilt all these things and it will help you to think differently from that now it it they have a, a therapy called as cognitive behavioral therapy cbt which is commonly practiced nowadays if you go for counseling therapy and that's a, it's quite a helpful thing but basically what the root of that is to replace your negative thinking with positive thoughts it's like more of a positive um outlook helping them to identify all the negative thoughts and replacing each of them with positive thoughts what are rational thoughts versus irrational thoughts and so on um but again in that whole therapy god is not in the picture sin is not in the picture at all and so they miss out on that whole spiritual dimension and a secular counseling but secular counseling will definitely can reduce symptoms in people who are agitated and who has certain level of problems it will help you but it will not may not uh, lead you to the final solution christian counseling and biblical counseling christian counseling uh was developed basically in the us uh so psychiatry became a big thing in the us in the last century uh there's a guy called adler who was very famous over there and um, so when psychiatry became very popular uh, what happened was people who earlier you know christians churches christians when they had problems you know then doctors started uh, sorry pastors instead of going to pastors they started going to these doctors who said they had solutions to their problems and after some time what happened so it multiplied people were trained in psychiatry and counseling and all that and those who are christians now remember all that training is secular so those who are christians who are trained in that said yeah this is there but i am also christian i also believe in the lord jesus christ and so on and sin and so on so they looked at the issues and they brought in this aspect of sin and believe that christ is the answer he is our savior and we need to come back to jesus so they incorporated uh, you know a spiritual aspect into the counseling into a secular counseling so that is christian counseling now biblical counseling as uh, what we do is the difference is that our framework of reference is only scripture our understanding of the root of behavior is from what scripture tells and scripture calls it the heart now that condition will not come in secular psychology or secular therapy we use heart as more of an emotional thing but in biblical counseling we look at the heart as a root uh, based on what scripture tells us about the heart and so our uh, you know sort of framework of understanding behavior the motivation for behavior the root of issues 
is from that biblical perspective. And so we try to address those issues from whether it's sin, whether it is other issues that the person has to deal with in the level of thoughts, which is related to the heart and the desires and all that. So our model is purely biblical, whereas a Christian counselor may use a secular model as well. Okay. And do you, um, in some cases, you know, when you're going through counseling with somebody um, and you sense that if they have a medical issue, maybe would you then still recommend they go to a psychiatrist or a doctor? Uh, or Definitely. If you're talking about medication, see, mm-hmm. medication is important. All medication, in fact, even the regular medication that you take, like what you take for COVID and all that, you may take paracetamol, right? Now, paracetamol will not cure COVID, but it will mm-hmm. reduce your fever. It will yeah. make you feel better. Similarly, medications that we take for depression and all that will definitely relieve symptoms. It won't address the root cause, but will relieve symptoms. In fact, majority of medications that you take, even for physical conditions, is only reducing symptoms, symptomatic treatment. There are very few conditions which are directly medication gets rid of the disease. Like, for example, uh, antibiotics. And when you treat something like tuberculosis or leprosy, you're addressing the root cause because the medication actually gets rid of affects the particular bacteria and kills it. So the source of the illness is got rid of. Mm-hmm. Or if you're like surgery, of course, if you have a cancer and you cut it out and remove it, that's a complete cure. You have removed the root cause. But most of the other conditions like, you know, cold coughs and all these things that you take, all these med- medicines that you take, it's only for reducing symptoms. So uh, definitely for severe mental illness, you have to have medication. And for not so severe ones like depression and all that, mood swings, uh, medication will help in reducing symptoms so that then after that, the counseling part will help for more long-term and, you know, curing the person. Thank you. That's very helpful. Yep. All right. So we have a few more questions. So I think what we'll do is we will park that for next week. Um, But I think uh, as a closure... Uh, Dr. Ashok, uh, maybe uh, two people have asked this question uh, and I think maybe that's something good to take away. Uh, what are the things that we can do once you recognize that you are on the onset of, of, of depression? A, how do you prevent it? And if you if you do, what can you do by self? And what are the things that you can do on your own apart from medications uh, that you can prevent it? And if you can just close on that and then close in prayer, that will be great. Okay, is what you can do when you recognize the fact that you are feeling depressed, right? Yeah, or you're venturing into that. You know that, okay, this is beginning. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that is definitely helpful is talking about it to somebody else. See, the thing is, oftentimes, if when you are feeling that and you keep it inside you and you don't have a solution for it, right? Which is why the problem is happening. So talking to somebody else will help. Uh, And ideally, if it's a person who has some training in counseling and listening well, that helps to clarify and uh, maybe sort out some of the issues that you have. It may not be such uh, as bad as you think it is. And so, uh, you know, counseling definitely help will definitely help you in that case. And are there preventives? So 
I mean, as for the episodes never to happen. Like, for example, <laughs> to avoid depression. Uh, yeah. Are there lifestyles and habits that you can have to say, no, yeah, that, that's what it, it's addressed. It doesn't even come up. Certainly, it's a lifestyle is, you know, anything, you know, things like uh, what scripture says, a merry heart is like a medicine. That So being joyful and joy comes from the presence of the Lord. Okay, that's one thing. Exercise is always helpful. Exercise and food raises up certain, um, releases certain, uh, and uh, you know, peptides in your uh, bloodstream, which may elevates your mood. So exercise is very helpful to overcome, to reduce that. You know, doing a regular walk and all that, going outside in the park, as long as it's not polluted too much, uh, all those things are very helpful. Uh, and of course, eating healthy and not, uh, you know, going into excess or any of those things. All those things are helpful. Reading the Bible, because scripture is very useful because every day, you know, it comes back to certain aspects of who God is. Knowing who God is and knowing who you are, your identity in Christ, these are very important things that can actually prevent a lot of uh, negative thinking that happens. Uh, you know, Paul Tripp keeps saying that the problem with us is we are all identity amnesiacs. If I ask you, you'll say, yes, I am. My identity is in Christ. But practically throughout the week, we'll find that most of the time we forget <laughs> who we are in Christ. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Dr. Ashok, right. I like uh, you mentioned the merry heart uh, is good medicine. I like Philippians 4, 6, and 7 as well. You know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and thank with, with thanksgiving, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, right? And the peace Absolutely. Or will uh, guard your hearts and minds. So I think it's a very simple thing that we can all do. Yeah. yeah. And did you maybe Dr. Ashok can give a very, very quick 30 second preview of next week? Or yes. Close, yes. Yeah? And after that, closing prayer. Thank you. Uh, okay. So next week, basically, uh, I will look at uh, from scripture what does it tell us about human beings, who we are, uh, our identity. Part of it, we'll be looking at that because I think that's very critical when it comes to uh, even understanding some of the mental health uh, <clears throat> and uh, the way that from scripture, what we were designed to be and what we, where we are now and what is the problem right now, how, how to tackle that. And um, yeah, and then understanding some of the behaviors that happens from a scriptural perspective. And then if there are under the issues that you have questions related to certain mental health, which we can look back and try and understand some of some common conditions from a biblical perspective as well. Okay, thank you. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, you want me to pray or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we come before you at this time. We thank you, Lord, that you have not left us alone. You have given us your word. And not only your word, but you sent your Holy Spirit among us to guide us, to teach us many new things. We thank you for your son and what he has done on the cross to make all this feasible. And thank you, Lord, that as we look into various aspects of mental illness and health and our own hearts, 
that you would guide us. Mm. We thank you that we have wisdom that we can access from you. And that will help us to live good and uh, cheerful and joyful lives. I pray for each of my brothers and sisters here that in this coming week that you will strengthen them and bless them in all the hands, all the work of their hands. And that next week we come back uh, refreshed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, all of you.